to the Emerge On Purpose podcast. This podcast is for technology sales reps and managers who want to become better leaders. Each show will talk about a different leadership principle that will help sales reps and managers emerge on purpose. Hi, welcome to the Emerging Leaders podcast. I'm Pete Oliver. Uh, During this next 20 minutes, I'm going to be interviewing rock star sales leaders. And this one in particular, I know extremely well gentleman by the name of George Donovan, excited to have him on the podcast. He's helped tons of leaders not make the same mistakes him and I did early in our careers. So we're extremely happy to have him on the phone today. So George, welcome. Thanks, Pete. It's nice to be here. If you would, tell us a little bit about your your role and your team, if you will. Sure. Yep. Um, my company's called Alego. I'm the chief revenue officer. And uh, we're about a six-year-old company, 120 employees, and I've got a sales team of almost 40 now. And we are a software company. We make a sales learning and readiness platform. And in simple words, what that is, is we have an app that serves up information to salespeople to help them do their jobs. Things like Sandler content or product content or competitive information, all bite-sized videos and content to make salespeople more successful. I'm curious, over the years, how many rock star salespeople have you promoted to manager? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a great question. I don't know, but I'm going to take a guess that it's somewhere 50, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And I happen to be one of them. As right. Early in my career, you gave me my first shot into the sales leadership mode. And obviously, we've we've had a relationship over the 20 years where I've seen you impact a lot of people's success. What's one big pitfall that you tend to see with leaders, especially new leaders? It's really two that pop to mind. But one is, I call it the super rep, Pete. This is where a lot of sales managers get promoted from being great sellers. And they transition into their sales manager role or sales leader role, but yet they don't change their behavior. And instead, they go to their comfort zone, which is being great sellers. So they'll swoop in and take over deals and uh, often play the role of a seller rather than do what they should do, which is harder, frankly. And that's learn how to be a great leader and a great coach and teach others to do what they did. So that's that's probably the biggest mistake. And then the second one is is hiring. As you know, hiring is just really hard in building out the right team. And a lot of new managers just don't know how or they don't seek enough help and guidance in that process. And it can be a costly and time-consuming mistake. Yeah, that's a great point. I think a couple of those hiring mistakes they'll make, they'll hire clones. They'll try to hire clones of themselves. Or some of them will hire people that are inferior so they can stay the top rock star. And in either case, obviously, that's not a good thing. You want some balance and you want people that that can execute not necessarily execute the way you did exactly okay let's shift gears the goal one of the goals of this podcast is to go really deep on some emerging leader principles things that we believe if if you are a leader you want to have a plan in your first year to execute this this, these types of principles and uh had you pick from a list before we got on the call and i know this one's a big hot button for you and that principle is uh, create a culture of intellectual humility. Basically, we're good, but we're always trying to strive to be better. Uh, If you would, can you tell us what that principle means to you? 
Yeah, this this one's very important to me. I, I talk about mistakes that leaders have made. Sometimes when you become a new leader, you have the impression that you have to know it all and you have to be good at everything. And if you don't, you feel like maybe sometimes you have to fake it. And that's complete opposite of what you should do. Humility in the leadership role is critically important because there's a line between confident and arrogant. And sometimes sales leaders can cross that line. And we always want to be confident, but we have to understand that we can always improve. We can always get better as individuals. And it's simple simple principles, Pete, like making sure that you don't talk too much and dominate conversations or dominate decision-making. You have to be self-aware. You have to understand what you are good at and what you're not. We're all part of the human condition and we're certainly not perfect in many areas. And if we can acknowledge that and identify our strengths and weaknesses, then we can uh, rely on others to support us with our weaknesses and or hire people around us that will support our weaknesses and perhaps magnify our strengths. So a lot of it comes down to the, just the general right mindset, which you and I have talked about a lot in the past and, and having that spirit of abundance and believing that there are people out there that are smarter than you and your job is to surround yourself with them. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's right on the money and especially for new leaders, it's, it's hard to execute this because you want to make sure that people respect your abilities and to, to admit that you are trying to still get better is not necessarily an easy thing to do for a new leader. So there's, there's definitely a balance there that you, you have to figure out how to, how to get to. I remember early in my Sandler career, you asked me a question, you, you basically say, hey, Pete, how much, how much of this Sailor stuff do you think you actually know? And I go, I don't know, 70%, which in my mind, I thought that was pretty good intellectual humility. You know, I didn't know it all. I still have stuff to learn. And you said, no, Pete, you're about 40%. I was like, <laughs> okay. okay. I was like, I got a lot of work to do then. I got a lot of work to do. So 11 years later, maybe I'm at the 70% now. <laughs> right. And, and none of us will ever get to a hundred. So. I also think, and I'm curious what you, you feel about this. It, as a new leader, not only do you need to have that intellectual humility, but your people also need to have that mindset because the minute the reps feel like they're at a hundred percent, they're not going to get any better. And you're going to get a bunch of stagnant people around. And I think one of those intellectual humility tweaks is you've got a bunch of reps and you might have reps that have 10 years of experience, but do they have one year of experience 10 years in a row or do they actually have the 10 years of experience? And and that culture of intellectual humility will allow those reps to continue to grow and get better. So when you're a new leader and you're trying to inspire that mindset with your people, why is that so important in your mind? Well, I think at the leader level, it's real simple. The leader, people don't want to work for jerks. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> the there, right? they, they want to work for good people who, who, uh, seek the truth in others rather than always believing that they have all the answers. But then for themselves and the, and the sellers, we need to create a culture of intellectual humility. So it's just not about the leader being that way, but it's the whole team. I believe that selling today is far more than it ever has been through the use of technology. It's a team sport and we can leverage each other on a sales team more and more all the time. And 
to be able to do that, you have to be open to it. You have to be open to asking for help. You have to be open to sharing your best thoughts and your best ideas and your best practices with others. So finding the right people to put on your bus, getting the right team on the bus who have that same mindset and believe that what they know today is probably going to be outdated next year. And businesses are evolving, Pete. You know this. You see it with all the tech companies that you work with around the globe. They're changing so quickly. Their products, their services, their marketplace, their competition, everything's evolving so quickly that if you don't have the right team on the bus that can evolve and change, be open to change and learning new things, then they're going to be outdated. So you have to get a team of humble people and that, you know, that, that humility that we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, I tell you, here's a little tip. If you're a leader and, and you're training or coaching a teammate and the teammate says, oh, that was a great refresher, then we know you got a problem. Right. We know you got a problem because all that means is they should have been doing it and they haven't. And thanks for reminding me that I haven't been doing anything different than I've always done it. We don't want the great refresher reps. We want the reps that are continually growing and improving and changing. Refresher means you didn't change. And sometimes the root cause of that is a lack of intellectual humility, where they believe they're already doing everything when they really aren't. It's frustrating as a new leader, too, when, when you have reps that won't change. And sometimes that's because they don't believe they need to. So, yeah. Okay. So any, any thoughts, tricks, ways to – let's one of those goals here is to create some how-tos. So, yeah, it sounds, it sounds great on, on paper. Yeah, we want people that want to grow and get better. We want people that can have a good self-awareness to determine where they are and where they want to be. People that want to learn. People that know their strengths and weaknesses, like you said, how do we actually execute that with a team? Yeah, I think it's a few things, Pete. One is that that's helped us a lot at Lego, right? We're a six-year-old software startup company. And one of the key, uh, I call it our North Star, but we call it our operating principles. Every new employee, sales and otherwise, goes through an operating principles program. And it's six or seven core key things that we all have to have violent agreement on. And we actually share these principles with candidates too, coming in the door, you know, potential hires, because we want them to know how we run the business. And if their vision isn't aligned with our vision, then we have a problem. We should talk about it before they we hire them. But once they get on board, they go through this training and they really have to understand this. This isn't just a nice, you know, corporate uh, training initiative. Here's the way we run the business. This, these are real principles that we live by every day. And if anybody strays outside the principles, they get called out from the CEO on down to anybody. You have the right as an employee to call anybody out if you're straying from the principles. So just to be concrete about them, they're simple things like uh, we are all empowered to make mistakes. You are encouraged to make mistakes at a Lego. And the reason this is so important to us is because we want people trying new things. We want people not to think they know it all. We want them to have the confidence to, to make a mistake and admit it, not make a mistake and bury it under the rug. Like in some corporate cultures, it's not cool to make mistakes. At our company, it is. You're, you're, you, know, you almost get a badge of honor for the more mistakes you make because it means you're trying new things. As yeah. long as you learn from them, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I love that. I mean, failure is absolutely part of success. 
another example, Pete, might be in No Stranger to You, and a big part of the Sandler selling system is everybody in the organization has to have clear, smart goals. So how are you being measured? What does success look like? And making sure that you hold yourself accountable and where each of us are holding each other accountable to those goals. So goals aren't just for salespeople, right? We all have them. We all know what they are. Pipeline development, sales, bookings, however, whatever you define it as. But equally as important, you know, development has development has goals in our company. Um, other customer facing people have goals in our company. Engineers have goals in our company. So everybody has clearly defined goals and they're all published and, and talked about and measured on a monthly basis. I love that. And it- as it pertains to the mistake thing, we don't want to execute inside a box. We, we want to have lanes, of course, but lanes mean you're moving forward and then deciding how you're moving forward with your goals is awesome. So when, when you describe these principles and let's relate it back to an emerging leader again, you see them moving in your organization from a rep to a manager. And I know inside your organization, you've done that numerous times already in the six years. By the way, average tenure for a technology sales leader, George, any ideas what that is? Probably 18 months. (laughs) Yep, if you're lucky, if you're lucky. And yours is what now? Almost five. Yep, and then how long were you at your previous companies? Uh, Nine years with Sandler and 10 years with the previous company. Yeah, there you go. So you've seen a lot, you've seen, you've evolved and changed and grown and you were definitely never in a box. You were, you were always evolving and growing. So you're a new leader, you're coming in and is it hard for new leaders to admit mistakes? Is there any different there in that particular position when you, when you make that jump to leadership? Uh, I think it depends on the makeup of the person. I think in general, the answer is yes because they feel like they're being, uh, all eyeballs are on them because they're new to the role. And like I said earlier, many of them come from being great sellers and now they're managing their peers. And that's really hard. So if you're hiring a leader from internal, definitely eyeballs are gonna be on them, right? Can they transition to the new role? Uh, How do they handle managing their peers? So I think there's a lot of pressure on those people. It's almost a little bit easier coming in from the outside because there's not that history. So let me ask you this, a, a company, let's, let's go back to these management principles. Recommendation, do you, do you feel like it makes sense for an emerging leader to create their own principles that they share with their team and expect, that could be a subset of the company's principles, obviously, but let's pretend the company doesn't have them and the, the manager does, wants to. Do you feel like that's a, a good way for a manager to create some some culture, some sales-driven culture to have their own set of principles? Oh, man, I'm so glad you asked that one. Yeah, that's a must because some companies won't have company operating principles. And even when they do, like we do, we created our own, we call it our sales manifesto. And this is this is our sales team operating principles. And I, I 100% believe that every sales leader should have this. What's important to you and your team, get your team to agree on them and live by them. And, and march in the same direction, right? And, and they don't have to be anything magical. They can be simple things. Like one of ours is, is ask for help. You know, talk about intellectual humility. Make sure you're always asking for help. 
on every opportunity from anybody who can add help. So just a little example of a simple sales manifesto item that might be applicable to others. Love it. Now let's say let's say you're you're in a coaching moment with a teammate and you're going to call them out on something that you believe they need to improve on. And the person that you're talking to lacks some intellectual humility, which happens. Occasionally salespeople have egos, we know that. How do you phrase those questions with people that are typically unwilling to change? You let one slip through the cracks and, and you hired them. <laughs> now you're trying to get that person to evolve. Any any tips or tricks on, on how to phrase those conversations? Yeah, it happens, right? Like we all we are both in violent agreement. We make some mistakes and we do hire some challenging folks from time to time. But even if we don't, even if they're good people and they're the right mold, they're still going to make some of these mistakes. I would say with those types of people, Pete, you got you to gotta test their self-awareness. Uh, one of the things that we're doing a lot of right now is recording sales calls in our own technology. Yeah. And uh, this includes managers. And it's, there's nothing like hearing yourself. So we're often pointing reps and managers back to recordings to say, listen to this and tell me how you would coach you. And the first step is they have to hear it. They have to be open to it and aware of it. That's your first test. If they are great, then you can have an honest discussion. If they don't hear themselves making the mistakes, then you get a bigger problem and you have to actually just be very direct and point it out. Uh, but I think there's nothing, it, it's been a very a powerful technique for us where we're asking people to coach themselves first and then match up with their manager. What does the manager see versus what do they see them about themselves? I mean, that's awesome. You had to sum it up, like create a culture of intellectual humility. If you can't coach yourself and recognize your own strengths and weaknesses when you're actually listening to them real time, then that's an issue, right? right. And then pointing it out in a direct way becomes the, the only alternative because you, it, exactly. you can't sweep it under the rug. No, no. And, and if you have whatever operating principles, a manifesto, your North star, you can always go back to that, right? Well, again, one of our operating principles is go direct. If there's, if you have a problem with somebody, go direct, don't talk behind their back. Don't tell others, go right to them. So it's nice to be able to come back to those principles. So if somebody's off target, off balance, you go back to the rule book, the, you know, the playbook. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's a great point. We all, we all have destinations. We're all trying to get to certain places. And I, I think now with the, the GPS concept we all have, we're going to get there it's eventually. Just put it in the GPS and you're going to get there. But without that sales manifesto or those operating principles where you know you're not going to go on roads with tolls or you want to take a walking route every once in a while, there's got to be some direction that gets you there, whether it's the manifesto or the operating principles. And inside of that, if, if you're if you and your people can have that level of intellectual humility. You can all get there together, which is part of the fun part of sales because you're right. It absolutely is a team sport. So last question before sure. we wrap up here. What's your favorite part about being a sales leader? Oh, that one's easy. Uh, personally, for me, where I am now in my career, Pete, it's, it's the satisfaction of not just growing, uh, helping to grow a company, but it's growing people. I love seeing salespeople come into our company at the lowest level entry sales position. And then three, four, five years later, have three promotions, four promotions, and be uh, smarter 
and making a whole lot of money, money that they never imagined they could make and reaching goals, personal and professional goals that they didn't even know existed three years ago when we hired them. That's, that's what makes me tick. Well, man, that's what's made you tick for the last 20 some years I've known you. That's what you did for me and a lot of other people in our organization back then. And that's what motivated me to, to buy 1% of your Sandler franchise 11 years ago too. <laughs> and it, I think any sales leader that doesn't have an answer similar to that is in it for the wrong reasons. I think rock star reps tend to make a boatload of money. So you're not becoming a leader to make a lot of money. You're, you, yes, you can make a lot of money, but you're doing it for other reasons. And usually that's it. I love that answer, obviously. And anybody that works for you, with you, partnered with you, clients, they're all lucky. Uh, George, I really appreciate your insight on this Emerging Leaders podcast. And goal for this podcast is to help leaders emerge on purpose and not make the same mistakes we did. And I think your, your insight today was consistent with those guiding principles that we have. George, really appreciate your time. Thanks, Pete. It was no an honor and an absolute blast. Anytime. Happy to help. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, comment, and share on social media. And if you want to learn more about us, visit our website at sailfish.sandler.com.